If you brought your Bible with you today, or have your Bible apps, uh, go ahead and, and open up to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's helpful if you will look some of these verses up, that way you know that I'm telling you the truth. Otherwise, I could be making all kinds of stuff up. But we're getting it from the Word of God. We started um, a series a number of weeks ago, and, and this series is called Love Life. Love Life. And, and it's based on this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. It reads, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And so whenever the Scripture uses that type of language of the greatest, that, you know, that shows a hierarchy there, that one thing is more important than other things. And in this list, he said, the greatest is love. So if that is the case, which it is, that tells me I should give more attention to love than I do other subjects. It tells me I should be more well-versed and have greater revelation and understanding of God's love than I do other subjects, all right? It doesn't diminish anything else, but if it weren't the greatest, then he shouldn't say it's the greatest because I'm more likely to spend more time on it if it's called the greatest, right? And so we do and we are. First Peter 4, 8 reads, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Notice that phrase again, above all things, above all things, have fervent love. So this is a pretty big deal, isn't it? And, and with the Lord, love is a very, very important issue. And we've discussed and have discovered already that love is connected to a successful prayer life. If you're praying and not getting what you ask, this is one of the, one of the most important checkup areas. Uh, we've discovered how it's, that, that love is very connected to faith, that without love, a person's faith is hindered. We, we've seen how the, uh, love is connected to a person's health. The question is often asked why so many people are sick and die young. Well, the Bible connects it to love. And so this is the, one of the reasons why many people are suffering in those areas. So it tells me, you know, since I have a body and everything, and, uh, and, and I'm, I've got to like make it last for as long as I live, because if it doesn't last, I stop living, at least on earth, uh, that, that, that love would be pretty important to me. And at the same time, if this were automatic that we would all just enjoy and live in and walk in and speak and act in accordance with God's love, then we wouldn't have to talk about it. And the Scriptures wouldn't even have to mention it. It would just be automatic. But the thing is, it's not. <laughs> and there, there, there are some automatics in life that are often brought about through hurts and, and training of doing things the wrong way. And so people's uh, first response, their first reaction to many situations in life and other people is very often the opposite of God's love. And so not only is it uncomfortable, is it harming someone else, it then makes everything else shut down in their spiritual life because God is love. If I'm going to have a relationship with God, I'm going to have a relationship with love. And so I've got to get this. 
and, and understand. Uh, Romans chapter 13, if you would look uh, over there with me as well. Romans 13, just a short left turn from where you were. Romans 13 and verse 10. Notice it says, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. We've been, we've been teaching in this series um, in the, along these lines that basically we should understand what love is, not in this world, but what it is to God. What does, the, as the Greek says, agape, the God kind of love, what does that look like? What does it mean? How does it talk? How does it act? And then I can line my life up next to it and say, okay, how am I doing acting like my father? If I'm supposed to be, as the Scripture says, an imitator of God as his child, okay, how does he act? How do I act? Is love, does love have the same definition or description on both sides? And, and if, I will, if I will see this, I'll recognize scriptures like this will jump out at me. Love does no harm to his neighbor. And then it puts in the law. So when I think about the law, I'm thinking, you shall not kill you know, or murder. You shall not steal. You, sh- you shouldn't lie. Why? Because that's harming someone else. That's all um, maybe self-preservation, but harming someone else in, in life. And, and so love goes not only to whatever the law tells you not to do, uh, it goes further than that because it simply won't do anything that hurts anybody else. That's the way the Father is. He's not hurting anybody. That messes up some people's theology. They think God got them in that car wreck and God killed their child and God did No, He didn't. No, He didn't. He didn't do that. That wasn't His business. All right? If we're told not to harm anyone, but he can go harm people all day, see, that's a contradiction there. See, we understand not only the Father's love to us by this, but then how we are to conduct ourselves. But before we do anything, before whatever we say, whatever we're going to do, we should ask these questions and know, how will my actions impact those people around me? Is what I'm about to do, is it going to lift them up or is it going to put them down? Is it going to help them? or harm them. And then I decide, based on that criteria, whether I'm going to do it, whether I'm going to act a certain way or not act a certain way. It sure are quiet here today. I must be getting in someone's business because, you know, some of you don't even look happy yet. No, you'll smile by the time we're done. In pain, maybe. (laughs) Uh, But we need to to understand the, the love of God. It's not just, will I be better off? If I do this, will people around me be better off? Will I get what I want, or, or, or will people around me, will they get what they want? See, these are the questions that help govern our decision-making and, and our lives. Is what you are saying about your neighbor, is it going to help them, or is it going to hurt them? You know, a, a person uh, uh, who has a job, probably a few of you have jobs. You know, when a person leaves a job, they quit their job, and they move on to another uh, position or something, another job. Well, what, what, how would love handle that situation? How many recognize love, love doesn't walk into their employer's office or supervisor's office and say, I quit. I'm out of here right now. What would love do? Well, love would give notice. 
Love would say, you know, explain the situation. I'm going to be leaving this, this position. I'm going to be leaving this job. And, uh, you know, at least give standard two weeks or whatever would be appropriate in your, in your circumstance situation. Why? Because it's not just what I get out of it. I'm thinking about the other person. How are my actions going to hurt them or harm them? And if they're going to, then I'm going to, if I have to suffer in the, in the midst of it, fine. Because I'm looking out for someone else. And if I'll do that, God's got my back. How many know this, this, this would also be true if someone's uh, serving in church? And all Christians, if you've been born again for more than you know, a few months, you should be serving in church somewhere, right? If you're a Christian, I mean, a real, a real one. I'm not, you may be pseudo-Christian, you know, show up and watch. <laughs> you met that person, huh? All right. Uh, <laughs> but how many know if a person is, is serving in some capacity, the same thing would be true. We're always mindful of what we do and how it affects someone else. You know, over the years, you have to know, uh, we've seen a few people who have handled things in an inappropriate way where someone walks into the, you know, say the children's ministry where they've been serving, they go up to the, their department leader and said, I, I'm, I'm not going to serve in this area anymore, I'm, I need a break, or I'm going to go serve in this other area. And, and they say, okay, cool, so uh, when are you going to stop? Oh, today. Oh, we got the schedule that goes out like a month, and, uh, and you're quitting today. Okay, <laughs> how many know that's not love? Why? You're harming someone else, putting someone else in a bind, putting it... And this is how love works. It thinks about these things. How does what I do affect other people, and am I going to bring harm to them? You know, uh, as far as um, the, the, the church goes, um, I'm mindful of this. I, I, I would never, I'm a pastor, so I, I get things from a certain perspective. I would never try to get someone to leave a different church and come here. I mean, a real church, you know, that's preaching the same gospel we are. I would never go talk to someone else in our city and say, you know what, you ought to leave your church. You ought to come get involved in our church. Uh, we, our church is, is where you should be. Well, why wouldn't you do that? Well, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't want another pastor doing that to me. I wouldn't want some other pastors trying to lure folks in my f- local family to his place. So I could never do that to someone else. See, it's mindful of them. In fact, I remember a while back there was a guy, and I, and, and I know this guy pretty well, and he had come to one of our services, and I've known him for many years, and he said, well, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, leaving where I've been going and coming here. And, and you might be surprised at this, but I said, yeah, I don't think you ought to do that. Not that I wouldn't want him here. Not that I wouldn't appreciate him. I said, no, I don't think you ought to do that. I think you ought to stay where you are. So why would you tell him that? Because I know him, and he's, been a, he's a long-time Christian. He's been in multiple churches. And I just think, you know, if God really wants him to move, then I'm going to just put a little resistance there and make him hear from God. Instead of, I don't like something in my church now, and I don't like this, or whatever. Uh, whatever you know, and just quickly bumping around. Say, I'm going to walk in love towards that other church, that other pastor. I said, no, you should just stay there. And by the way, side note, can I just tell you guys this? Our church is better than that church. Seriously, there's a greater move of God. There's more revelation knowledge of the, of, of the Spirit, and, and there's some powerful things happening here. I'm not going to tell you the name because that wouldn't serve anybody, wouldn't help anybody, but it, surely it is, and he'd be better off here. But I'm going to let him hear, hear from God because I'm going to walk in love towards those other pastors and other churches. We're all part of one big family anyway. 
Amen. And so uh, we're mindful of these things. If you would, um, well, let me draw your attention to this. Uh, Matthew 7, 12, very popular verse. Matthew 7, 12. Jesus said, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. How do we decide what to do? Well, whatever I want people to do for me, that's what I'm going to do. And if we'll ask those questions, it will keep us out of walking in the flesh and walking in selfishness. But what do you want people to do for you, to do to you? Are you doing that to them, for them? Do you want people to give you mercy? I do. I want mercy. I want people to give, I want people to give me the benefit of the doubt. If there's ever a question, I want them to lean towards, you know, my motive was right. I tried to, you know... Uh, I want them to lean that way. So what, what do I need to do towards others? I, I need to give them mercy. I need to give them the benefit of the doubt. I need to be courteous towards others because I sure appreciate when people are doing that to me. And that's that, that simple golden rule, I'm going to do to others as I would have them do to me. If you have your, your Bible there, look over at 1 John chapter 3. That's towards the back of the book, almost to the end. Uh, 1 John, the third chapter. And, uh, and these are powerful verses. These are really good. You're going to like this. 1 John chapter 3. And by the way, these have been there for a while. I checked up on these, This is no recent addition. And thank God there are no recent additions. <laughs> Don't be adding any other books to the Bible. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. It reads, By this we know love. By this we know love. So I want to know love. How do I know love? By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. How am I going to know love? This is the best example right here. This is Jesus on the cross. How do I know love? Because he laid down his life for us. How can I describe it? How can I explain it? Jesus on the cross is a graphic demonstration of what love looks like. You know God loves you beyond your comprehension because Jesus was on the cross for you, for me. How many know He was not doing that to improve His own life? God didn't become man to improve His existence. He lowered himself. He humbled himself and became one of us. And his great and massive suffering was done for you and for me. How do I know love? That's how I know love. Now, how do I know what love looks like coming through me? That's how I know what love looks like coming through me. I lay down my life, he says, for the brethren. Obviously, we're not dying on crosses for each other. That would do no good. But we are laying down our lives. We're saying, uh, I'm going to give something up for your benefit. I'm going to do something that's out of my comfort zone for someone else's help, for someone else's need to be met, for someone else to be blessed in some, in some way. Verse 17, but whoever has this world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? And so love then is demonstrated by doing something. How do I know love is in me? I'm doing something for other people. Now, how many know there are, there are people that have taken verses like this and they've flipped them around and they start making demands on others. Well, if you really had God's love in you, then you would do this for me. 
That's not what that verse said. That verse didn't say make demands on other people that they do things for you. That verse said you, you, you're, you're going out of your way to do stuff for them. Amen. I remember one of the times when I got preached to uh, years ago uh, working at uh, another church and, and people would call us from time to time asking about asking for finances and, and financial help and sometimes uh, they were people that were driving through town and so they'd call all the churches asking for money and it, and it wasn't our policy to give out money uh, but if a situation was right and we used proper discernment you know we weren't like the government and so forth but could, could deal with people on a, in a real life situation and uh, you know if we try to help people when it was right, and uh, and this particular guy called and 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 I said, well, uh, I was handling a lot of those things in those days, and I said, well, here's uh, I can I can meet you, and we met at Burger King in the parking lot. I'll meet you over at Burger King in the parking lot, and uh, and when I got there, I said, listen, here's what we're to do. We're uh, I'm not I'm not allowed to just give out cash or anything, but what I have been authorized to do is to fill your tank up with gas to help you out in, in that way. And then he preached this sermon to me. <laughs> he did. It, it wasn't nice. <laughs> how, dwelled, how dwelleth the love of God in you? And Because he wanted me to give him cash. I'm going to just turn him over money. And, and I, didn't, I wasn't given to him in the way that he wanted me to give to him. And so I got, you know, got lectured there. I, I, mm, that's not what that means. This doesn't mean that we have to, that people can put demands on you and, and, and try to force you into, into something. We're still led of the Spirit. But it does show us that love of God is something that acts. Okay? He goes on to say in verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word or tongue. How many know the Father didn't say, John three sixteen? for God so loved the world that He yelled out from heaven, I love the world. I feel for all of you. No, he sent his only son. He did something about our problem. And that's how love acts. Don't love in word or tongue, but in deed and truth. So this moves beyond just not harming someone. To this, our actions actually help. So I don't want to just be in neutral. I'm not going to hurt you. If I have, really have love in my heart, I'm going to look for a way to help you. Okay, not just not hurting, helping in deed and truth. And so the proof of God's love in us, which is salvation, by the way, he's saying this is how we know you're saved. This is how you know the love of God is really in you, is, is, is in giving and doing things for other people. Amen. But you notice that other word there, truth? Let us love not in word or tongue, but in deed and truth. How many know if you're walking in love, you have to be honest and truthful with people? And sometimes that gets flipped around where people say, I can't really tell someone this because that could hurt them. I don't really want to tell them the truth in this situation because that could hurt their feelings or something like that. Well, you're not walking in love if you're acting that way. Love will tell you the truth. Like the husband and wife who had that conversation after 30 years, and, and he said, I'm t I, I, I hate, these, I hate this, uh, this meal you've been making all these years. Well, I thought you liked that. And, uh, and his wife said, I thought you loved that. Well, no, I just, I just didn't want to hurt your feelings. 
It hurts more now, 30 years later. How <laughs> many know if it's not a good meal, you don't have to be rude about it. You don't have to say, you're a horrible cook and a bad wife and a lousy Christian for making this. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't go over the top. But say, no, that's not my favorite. How many need people to be honest with you? You know, <laughs> you know, if I ask my wife, uh, you know, hey, how does this, how does this look it, uh, what I'm, when I'm wearing on a particular day? And if it clashes, that's why I'm asking, you know, or if it's bad, I want her to be honest with me and say, oh, no, no. <laughs> now, might my feelings be hurt temporarily, briefly, maybe, if I picked it out and said, hmm, yeah, yeah, this goes here, and this is good, this is nice, I might be bugged by it, but I would be far more bugged by her, you know, a year later, I've been wearing this outfit for uh, regular, and she said, by the way, that's, you know, really ugly. <laughs> Amen. You know, if someone's making you a meal, I, I, I've discovered, uh, uh, so, sometimes people put up with things, and they just, they're not, they won't tell the truth. You know, like uh, uh, I learned early on that anything with the word casserole in it is bad. <laughs> Did you guys know that? I, I'm just sharing revelation knowledge here today. Uh, casserole. Because usually it's tied to uh, cream of mushroom soup. <laughs> and you know, there is no good thing in cream of mushroom soup. And, and if that's in there, you should not make that for someone you love. Did I hear an amen from over here? <laughs> My wife reminded me for first uh, uh, service today how one year uh, the kids and I thought it was the most hilarious thing around, but how she got a can of cream of mushroom soup in her stocking. <laughs> Isn't that a great gift? And it takes up space and it helps to fill it up. Um, I'm just saying, you've got, you, you, you got to tell people what you really think, those you care about. You know, do these jeans make me uh, look? Oh, no, they're great. Are they? <laughs> I'm not saying be mean. No, don't ever be mean, but truth, important. I don't mean you should say, listen, honey, it's not the, the jeans aren't the problem. <laughs> You shouldn't say that, <laughs> but you could say, you, you know, if you're asking your opinion, then, all right, moving on. I was reading about a, a uh, minister named Crane who, well, he, he tells this story about a, a, a wife who came into his office, and he was, uh, and she was full of hatred towards her husband. And she said, not only do I want to get rid of this guy, I want to get even with him. And, uh, and so she said, before I divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as he has hurt me. So she was really feeling the pain. And, uh, and so he suggested an ingenious plan. He said, go home. Here's the plan now. Go home and act as if you really love your husband. Tell him how much he means to you, praise him for every decent trait, go out of your way to be kind, considerate, and as generous as possible, 
Spare no effort to please Him, to enjoy Him, to make Him believe that you love Him. And then after you've convinced Him of your undying love and that you can't live without Him, then drop the bomb. Then tell Him that you're getting a divorce. That will really hurt Him. So with revenge in her eyes, she smiled and exclaimed, beautiful, beautiful. Will He ever be surprised? And she did it with enthusiasm, acting as if for two months, you know, she showed love, kindness, listening, giving, reinforcing, sharing. When she didn't return, the minister called her and said, uh, are you ready to, he called her and said, you ready to go through the divorce now? She said, divorce? Never. She said, I discovered I really do love him. She said, her actions had changed her feelings. Her motion resulted in emotion. The ability to love is established not so much by fervent promise as often repeated deeds. And if we want to walk in this love of God, but yet we are waiting on the feelings to drive us, the emotion to be present, something in us that almost, you know, makes us feel warm and fuzzy and we just can't help but express gratitude and kindness and, and giving and, and all these things towards someone, we're never going to walk in this love. And, if, if we, and at times it'll just be very temporary, like a roller coaster. When you feel it, it's there. When you don't feel it, it's not there. But she learned something here that we can learn. It is through repeated action that eventually causes love to be felt, causes emotion to be present, and it doesn't work the other way around. Everybody okay? Now I'm going to hold that thought. Let me back up and share with you what, uh, who, who the Scripture says we are to love, and then we'll, then we'll circle around to that. Who are we to love? The Bible says, number one, that we are to love God. Love God. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Amen. With the love wherewith He has loved us, we are to love Him. How is our love towards God demonstrated? It's through obedience. If you do what He says, you love Him. If you do what you say and ignore what He says, you love you. We are, number one, to love God. Number two, the Scripture says we are to love our neighbor. Our neighbor. Uh, neighbor means those who are close by, nearby, neighbor. Galatians 5.14 for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All right, so who am I to love? Well, I love all the people of the world. Oh, that's stupid. I mean, think about it. How easy to say, I love everyone in Australia. Those in Australia, we love you. Oh, uh, <laughs> in other words, you don't know them. You're not around them. It's easy to love someone at a distance. It's easy to say, I sure love my family. Where do they live? Virginia. <laughs> How often do you see them? Almost never. <laughs> we send notes and, and, and I just sure love them. Well, what if they lived in your house? 
that would be an opportunity to find out if love was present. Right? So we want to get this into real life. And can we do, am I saying you don't love people who are far? No, I'm just saying that's not a very good test. That's not a very good uh, situation that draws out the necessity of believing and acting in love when you don't feel like it. Praise God. Did I read that verse? Yeah? Number three then, who are we to love? Number three, one another. We are to love one another. This is talking about, not everybody, it's talking about the family of God. John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. All right, so that gives us the qualifier, how we're to do it, but we're instructed to love one another. Those are other people who are saved. You think, well, that should be easy to love other Christians. <laughs> Not always, because all of us are at a, a work in prog- progress. All of us are at very different, various different levels of spiritual maturity and growth. And have you ever met a Christian that wasn't very nice? Okay, <laughs> love one of them. Love one another. That's what we're told to do. And uh, and God designed that we be that we be together. Church is His idea. Church is a gathering of the called out ones. Church is what we're doing. We're getting together. And how many know getting together sometimes creates problems when there's an absence of love and forgiveness and caring? It's why some people bolt from one place and go somewhere else or go nowhere. It's why some watch online because they don't like to be around people. Other, sorry about that, you guys. I'm sure it's not you, it's that other person. Why? Because they have trouble walking in love towards people. It's too much about them. We must develop in this love, and it makes all of life better when we do. We are to love one another. And then lastly, if you would turn with me for this one to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew, the fifth chapter. I want to show, you, show this to you because it's so very powerful. Matthew, the fifth chapter, and, and, and notice the 43rd verse. Jesus talking here, speaking in red as He does. Matthew 5, 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Who are we to love? Our enemies. See, this goes beyond logic. What does logic say? When someone did something against me, they deserve to get it back. They deserve, no, and Jesus said, here's what you're going to do. You, you need to love your enemies. That's easy to read on the page, isn't it? It's a whole other thing to act on. It's a whole other thing to live, uh, to live out. He goes on to say, bless those who curse you. Seriously? Those who curse me? Like that idiot who was on the road? Showed me his IQ? Bless that guy? Do good to those who hate you. Well, haters need to be rebuked. We need to get on. No, what should we do with a hater? Do good to them. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That 
You may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes His his Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words, our Father in heaven is not the one causing people's problems. He's the one that is blessing them with the sun and the rain, and He does it to the good people and the bad ones, to the nice ones and to the mean ones. And He's saying, that's the way I want you to be. I want you to love people like your Father in heaven loves them and is blessing everybody. Good news, by the way. Side note, different subject, but kind of fits right in there. The Father isn't the one who made you sick. The Father isn't the one who gave your child a disease. The Father isn't the one who put you in the poor house. That's not, that's not love, and that's not the way the Father acts. And it's not love for us to try to get back at people and give them what they deserve. He said, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Big stinking whoop-de-doo, you're nice to nice people. (laughs) Like that's some kind of spiritual badge. He said, do not even the tax collectors do the same? Tax collectors in their day, in their days were, a lot of them were, they were just crooks. They were Jews that worked for the Roman government, and the way they got paid is by charging people too much. Here's your tax, and they'd up it, and they'd skim off the top, and then they were very wealthy, and so they were despised by everybody else because they were authorized to do this, and so the tax collectors were the lowest of the low in, in, in their minds. He said, even the tax collectors, even these thieves that are stealing your money, he said, they're nice to their own kind. They're nice to people when they're nice to them. Amen. But look what he said. He said, these are the people that we are to love those who do not do it. Now, here's how we are to act. I'm not talking about feeling. I'm not talking about some surge and rush of emotion. Oh, I was just moved to do, to do this. I just really want, no, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. I, I want to I get you back or I want to leave you alone. I want to isolate you, isolate you and keep this relationship at arm's length for, and, until till you straighten out. That's what I want to do. But this shows me how to act. I'm to bless those who curse. Bless them. Bless them. I'm to do good to those who hate. That's an action. I'm, I'm looking to do good to them. I'm to pray for those who use and persecute me. But someone persecutes me, I'm going to pray for them? Yeah, I'm going to pray they die. <laughs> right? No, that's not what he's talking about. And this is how, this is, listen, this is how all of us can, can, can act on this. Because I know many have, even in recent weeks, you've taken steps of faith to forgive people, to release and let go those who have done you wrong, those who have harmed you in some way. And, and some of the problem comes in like this. I did that. I prayed. I let them go. I let it out of my heart, that anger that I, feel, that I had towards them. But now it's weeks later, and I still feel it. When I think about them, I'm still upset. When I think about them, about the situation, I still feel hurt. How do I, how do I deal with that? Some have been, uh, they've not understood why they can't shake those negative feelings regarding those who have harmed them. And listen, your faith decision worked. Absolutely. Everything we do 
whether we're praying and asking for something or we're releasing someone, it is done by faith. It's not done by feelings. And so stand your ground and say, it's done. I forgave them. I gave it up. And no matter what thought comes through my mind or what emotion comes to me, I'm going to stay with this. I'm not holding it against them. I won't hold anything against anybody. I won't do any harm to anyone in my life. Say, well, what about the feelings? Here's how we deal with them. Through action. Said I'd circle back around. This is how we deal with it. We've got to act. We've got to do something. It can easily start with prayer. Right? And even that can be hard. I've I've done this before too, but I don't want to pray this. I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm praying, and part of me, I'm battling on the inside. I don't really want them blessed. But I say, you know what? I love them with the love of God in me. So, Father, pour out your blessings in their life today. May they be so happy. May they be so filled with joy and peace and satisfaction. Bless them financially. Give them a boatload of money. Give them opportunities. May their house be filled with joy. Now, maybe it's that, maybe it's that person that they used to be married to. And maybe they married someone else. And maybe you want them to suffer. Maybe you would like them to get what's coming to them. This is how you start. Listen, we don't have any choice here. If you're a believer, this is not optional. I know it's hard sometimes. This is not optional that we do this. We must. This is the way the Father did us. And so you pray and say it from your heart as if you mean it because you're making a decision that you mean it. Pray for them, the blessings of God on them. And mean it and say it again. If you don't mean it, your emotions are fighting you, fighting you, say it again. And then what else did he say? Bless them. Do good to them. You know, what can you do to improve their lives? How could you bless them with words, with actions, with money, with a gift? With, what can you do to bless them? So I don't want to. I know, that's why we're doing it. Because we forgive We let go by faith. And then when we act on that, our emotion follows that motion. Our feelings follow our behavior. So we've got to get this love into real life. God so loved the world that He gave. This is how we know love. Because He gave His life for us. It is an action that must be present if we are yielding to and walking in this love. Amen.